Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. With us today is the CEO of Treehouse for Kids, Lisa Chin. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Lori. First of all, tell us a little bit about yourself, Lisa. Thanks for the question, Lori. My background has been in the nonprofit sector serving youth since the time I I joined the sector. I was previously the founding executive director at Year Up Puget Sound and the CEO at Boys and Girls Club of King County. But my entire career in nonprofits has been focused on serving our community's most vulnerable youth. And in every organization where I've spent time, I focus different programs on serving youth in foster care because this population was always, always very important to me. I don't know if you know, but I have foster grandchildren. They were adopted out of the foster system. Wonderful to hear. So you know all about foster youth. Yes, and they're such a blessing. Well, then you know firsthand how much it matters to youth in foster care that they have the support they need so that they can have both a childhood and the future. Yeah, and when you think about COVID, how... A lot of times with foster kids, if there's some kind of crisis, that's when they'll get sent back. And Mm -hmm. so here they're going through in all of our states, California, Washington and Oregon, we've had they've had the fires and then they had COVID. And I can't imagine how unsettling this must be for kids that especially haven't been adopted yet. Mm -hmm. No, you're absolutely right, because when I started Treehouse, I started on the same day that Governor Inslee declared the stay home, stay home stay healthy order. So I I completely, I, I've been feeling it in my personal experience at Treehouse, just what a pandemic can do to youth who are always experiencing some level of crisis because of the way that foster care can work for some of them. So it has been an interesting time as I think through what we're doing at the agency. And we work really, really hard to provide even more services to youth during these, during these really challenging times. In fact, Treehouse has been around for a really long time, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. About 34 years. We, we were started by a group of social workers who wanted to do more for youth than just be their caseworkers. And you know, when they started, it was bake sales and everything that they could do to provide needed things like clothing and, and gifts and, and food for kids. And 34 years later, here we are serving roughly 8,000 youth a year. Chi- um, throughout the entire state. And it's not just making sure that they have the clothes and, and the, the um, what we call just-in-time funding, the things that they need for school. Now it's, it's really supporting youth in the schools and making sure that they are on track to graduate from high school with their peers. And then we also, we still are with them as they go into their 20s to make sure that they have a plan for success for their futures as adults. The fact that you follow them into college, into their 20s, who do they call when they get an A? Mm-hmm. No, that's absolutely right. And, you know, you've, you've highlighted something really important, Lori, that often when kids graduate from high school at the age of 18, they're not really adults, even if the law says that they are adults in some ways. Yeah. When we think back to how we were at 18, having that caring adult and that caring presence and someone to guide you, not just to celebrate with you when you get an A, but also to help you think about, um, well, to partner with you in taking charge of your own future and setting goals and making plans and learning how to advocate for yourself, that is a huge part of the equation for lifelong success. And we find that our educational specialists, our launch success coaches, all of our team is really, really right there with our youth so that they can really 
partner with us so that they can be successful. What is the range, age range of kids that are in your program? Well, we serve youth from birth up into their 20s because through the, the programs that we have, we've got graduation success, which is all about supporting youth to graduate from high school at the same rates as their non-foster youth peers. And then we've got launch success, which works with those who have completed their high school education into adulthood. And then we have a program that's all about just-in-time funding and a program that focuses on gifts as well as direct needs. So that's where we serve the youngest ones, as well as their families. I I don't know if you've ever been to the Treehouse store. I did get a tour of the store one time we were having a meeting with foster uh, recruiters, and it was just so amazing. And I think what is so sad is when kids have to leave their homes quickly, they get all their stuff thrown in a garbage bag, and that breaks my heart. And they don't have time to really think about what they want. So the fact that you guys provide you know, for them to have some choice around clothes and and things for them is really honoring to a child. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you had a chance to visit the store because it used to be that only those who lived in King County could come visit it and their caregivers. And I'm sure you remember that all the merchandise in there, everything that's in there is brand new and it's free for families and caregivers that need it. They just need a referral from their caseworkers or from another agency But one of the things that we've done, Lori, in the face of this pandemic is we've pivoted to making sure that we ship things from that store across the entire state. It's no longer just King County. Also, we've got some limited in-person socially distanced shopping days because, you know, with the pandemic, we have to be responsible in caring for people's health. So, So the store has grown in response to this pandemic. That is amazing. Tell me a little bit about the pivot for you. So what we're doing is we're both shopping in the store for people. And um, I did a shift the other day where I was uh, assembling items and doing being a personal shopper for a family that had four youth and making sure that they got everything that was on their list. So it's, it's that. We still do have people um, doing the shopping for folks who can come and pick things up. And then, then, of course, as I mentioned, we ship things statewide. But in addition to what we're doing at the store, we've also seen that without our ability to work in the schools, we're using a lot of technology to reach our youth and to reach our, our teachers and, and everybody in the school system to support our kids. So, so we've seen that change to uh, being more online. We've also seen a greater need that our, what our youth need has changed. So, for example, as we partner with the youth caregivers, social workers, and schools to provide all the extra support they need, it includes things like rent assistance for our older young adults who are living alone, or cards for food, because you can imagine many of those who had their uh, initial jobs lost those jobs when the pandemic happened. We're providing cell phones, we're providing technology, and uh, we continue to receive lots of requests for all their other needs. So it's really kind of preventing the homelessness aspect. Mm-hmm. Yes, that, that is true. We're doing everything that we can to provide for those basic needs. We're also seeing that some extracurricular requests are coming back. Things like going to after-school exercise programs or, or art programs in, in some counties, in some places, those extracurriculars are, are taking some steps to come back in a safe way online. So we're seeing requests for support for that. We are also helping our youth fill out whatever forms they need to fill out, because you can imagine. Oh, yeah. 
for the older ones who are, let's say, applying for unemployment, they don't really know how to fill this out. So we're right there with them. That is so wonderful. I can imagine they feel so supported. Also, uh, some of these foster kids uh, want to be adopted. Some of them are okay with just being in foster care until they graduate. Is that right? That's true. That's very true. And But adopting an older kid is kind of special because you get to kind of go through those later years with them where they're really discovering who they are and what they want to be. I I wonder about this with your mentors, the people helping the kids. Do they ever just fall in love with them and say, okay, I have to take this kid? (laughs) Lori, I love that question. We fall in love with all of our young people. Uh We can't adopt all of them. We fall in love with all of them because they, they are so resilient they are so hopeful. And when we, you know, we meet some of them very young and we are committed to staying with them through their journey into young adulthood. So you can imagine that some of the relationships we have with them, in many cases, Treehouse has been the constant loving presence in their lives since they entered the foster care system. So while it's very rare that any of our team members would adopt any of our youth, we are the one constant presence most of the time who understand them, follow them from school district to school district. There's a lot of love there, even when we don't have a formal adopting relationship. And you work with the caregivers, the foster parents, as well as the kids. So tell me a little bit about that. Absolutely. We've always, we've always cared about how our caregivers are doing because they are the ones who have primary responsibility for our youth. So currently we have some staff members who are dedicated to working with caregivers, to understanding their needs. And we're thinking through what does it look like to support the caregiver network in a COVID environment? Because of course, you know, our priority is the direct needs for our youth and, and is in showing up in schools and helping our youth and supporting them that way directly. But caregivers also have been experiencing a lot during this pandemic, you know? And so I'll give you a good example of someone who, um, was a, they're on the list to, that they would take emergency placements. And one day they, this, this couple got a call saying, we have newborn twins. Can you take them in a few hours? And they said, yes. <laughs> Their next call was to us saying, oh my goodness, what do we do? We have nothing. And what we did was we gave them everything, <sighs> us, bottles, clothing, everything they needed to successfully go foster those two infant children. So it's a good example of of ways that we support the entire community in foster care. When my daughter uh, took a baby on, they, they had asked for older children, so they were surprised. And they said, well, we don't have anything. And same thing there in California, but same thing. It was like, don't worry, we will help you. And so I love it because that way parents can take a a bigger variety of children Mm -hmm. if they know that they're going to have access to what the kids need. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's absolutely right. And Treehouse, we have an internal informal motto that Treehouse finds a way. We truly are there for all the children who need us because when when the state is one of your parents, Mm -hmm. it's exactly the same. And and you know this from firsthand, it's not exactly the same as having a loving family that's going to be there for you. Yeah. And we all know with foster care, there's trauma, there's things Mm -hmm. that um, 
that go on that nobody has any control of. And Mm -hmm. so being a presence for that child, even when they're having to maybe go to a different home or maybe go back to a parent and then back to foster care, but knowing that they have you as a constant, to me, just makes me feel so good to know that they know they can reach out. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm so grateful for the staff that we have that continue to be there 24-7 to make sure that we are showing up when we need to and how we need to for our youth. We have such a generous community, Lori. Normally we have roughly 3,000 people volunteering with us throughout the year, most of whom are, are in, the, in the store or who are supporting us administratively. And you can imagine that during the pandemic, we really had to scale that back for safety reasons. Now we're opening up the doors again. We need a limited number of volunteers and roles to support the Treehouse Store and to help us uh, sort through all the donations that are coming in so we can continue to focus on, on spending the, the right amount of time with our youth. So, you know, that there's, there's definitely a really big community out there that's helping to support us, support the kids. So if somebody wanted to help support Treehouse, what are some things they could do? Well, right off the bat, front and center on our website, we're saying to people that we have put our wish list for young people online. So when you go to our, our page, our website, www.treehouseforkids.org, you'll see there's, a, there's um, several links that allow you to either access our, our wish list, which again, these are things that will go directly to families, or host a drive, any kind of a, a gift drive for us, or make a, a cash donation because we're buying things. If we don't have them in the store, we're buying things that our young people and our caregivers need. So, And all of that is right on the front page of our website. And the web page is? Treehouseforkids.org. Okay, great. So can someone volunteer f- with you during this pandemic? Yes, absolutely. Not only are we asking for smaller numbers of volunteers in roles that support the store, we've also just launched a virtual tutoring program because you can imagine learn, going to school through a screen online, can it's, it's a little much for, for both our youth and, and their fostering families. So we especially have a need for volunteer tutors who are fluent in Spanish or French or Tigrinya, which is a, a language spoken in Ethiopia and Eritrea. And we're also looking um, for people of color who, who can provide tutoring. And you can, again, go to our website, treehouseforkids.org, or you can email us, volunteer at treehouseforkids.org. So there's lots of opportunity. Awesome. How does a child or a caregiver connect with Treehouse for Services? To qualify for our services, you have to have, the youth have to have an open a foster care case, an open DCYF case, a tribal case, or be in federal foster care or out-of-home care at the time of the referral. So we get lots of calls from both social workers who work for the Department of Children, Youth, and Family, but from other agencies as well. What do you think the public isn't aware of when they hear or think about Treehouse? A lot of people don't realize how active we are in the schools helping our youth graduate. A lot of people know us for our clothing drives and for our our holiday giving programs and for the out-of-school time support. But we have a significant number of staff people dedicated around the state to working one-on-one with our youth to help them graduate and to help them attend their classes, 
uh, work with their guidance counselors and work with all the resources that are available at the school. And you can imagine most young people and their families don't really know how to navigate through school to make sure that their youth are doing well and taking care of all of their uh, all of the needs that the child has. So that's one of the, the most important things we do is we help youth graduate from high school on time and at the same rates as their non-foster youth peers. Which I know for foster kids, a lot of times they have to miss school or they're out of school. And the statistics for foster kids that don't graduate. Nationwide, it's about 50% of, of youth in foster care who graduate. With the work you do, you're increasing that number of kids who are graduating. Correct. The number in Washington State for non-foster youth is 75%. And so are we have said that we are going to have our the youth that we serve graduate at that same rate. That's what that's our goal. So what have we not covered that you think people might be interested in? Because I feel like during this pandemic, we're hearing about the caregivers as far as health uh, services. We're hearing about teachers and students. But, you know, I've really been curious about foster care because this has got to be really hard on the system. It is really, really difficult for our youth right now. I really have to say, Lori, that thanks to our um, some very generous donors, our team, and all of our caring and committed partners, Treehouse has become Washington's leading organization addressing academic and other essential supports of youth in foster care. And we've seen our very generous community really step up this year, providing more funding since the beginning of the pandemic, even though we're not out of the woods yet. So we rely on the community. We rely on volunteers to help us move the world and and serve these young people and, and give them a shot at success in life. We're just so grateful for everybody's involvement and everybody's caring about the youth that we serve. Do you ever have foster kids, once they're grown, come back and volunteer? Absolutely. It happens all the time. And we have hired former foster youth, too. They are some of the strongest team members we have at our organization. Are there any stories you started like March? Is that when you came on? Mm -hmm. March 30th. So are there any stories that you've gotten to experience this time that you'd like to share with us? Well, there's a few from from the ones that are really heartbreaking. There was one where when the pandemic started, we had an older young man who I believe was in high school, who in, I think, um, and Trent, you can correct me if I'm wrong on the statistic. I, I believe it was in six weeks, he had nine different placements because of just economic issues really have affected many of our caregivers. And when the economy closed down, many people were affected by that who are in our network. So that poor young man is unfortunately, what he's experienced is not atypical. We, we find that with our youth, the average number of placements they've had since the pandemic started is around three. So it's higher than it normally would be. And, and, and that's because of the crisis we're in. So there's everything from that spectrum to Another really wonderful story about a young man who was who we served and partnered with when he was 12 years old, and he was musical and wanted a trumpet. So Treehouse provided the funds for him to get that trumpet. And he came back and spoke on a panel to some of our other youth. And he said, he held it up and he said, I got this trumpet when I was 12. I'm a professional musician now, and I still use this. 
So it's everything from those who are the most impacted and most in crisis to stories of hope for the difference that that trumpet, that battered, beaten trumpet made 14 years later in this young adult's life. That gave me goosebumps. Mm. Wow. Well, we're very, very fortunate to do this work. So one thing I would say is during this pandemic, parents are kind of going wacko because they've got their kids home. So mm-hmm. I can't imagine for a foster kid being in a new home and then not having that routine of school, having mm-hmm. to be full time with a family, trying to study Uh, trying Mm -hmm. to fit in. And of course, it takes a while to get to know each other. Well, I think that is one of the key places where we come in because we, the, the people, our educational specialists and our educational advocates are absolutely devoted to the youth that they serve. And so when when the pandemic started and we could not go into schools because schools were shut down, our people went out and did everything they could to find them. And so we have about a thousand young people in the graduation success program. That's the one where we support youth in graduating from high school. And we survey them. We ask them questions on a regular basis about how they're doing, and we keep track of them that way. So when they change placements or they have to change school districts, often we're the first people that they'll call. So we hang in there. We are hanging in there with them. We are making plans in this new year to serve more youth than we ever did because we don't, while schools are not in session, we're using everything we can in terms of technology and socially distance outdoor visits to keep track of our youth and make sure that we show up for them, even as they they continue to have that uncertainty in their placements. Can we talk a little bit about myths? Because the fact that I work in the system and I have foster grandchildren, which are adopted, so I but I say foster just to give the parameters here. But I have heard people say horrible things, you know, like those kids or whatever. So are there some myths we can debunk right now about that? Oh, absolutely. The youth who experience foster care are some of the most resilient young people we've ever met. Because when when you think about it this way, think about if everything that was precious to you you know, just whatever pops to mind, whether it's your children or your spouse or, or your pets or your job, the things that are the most precious to you in the world, think about what it would be like if everything you loved and cared about was ripped away. What would happen to you? And this is the experience of youth in foster care. Everything, their, their, their birth families, everything that they count on gets ripped away from them on a regular basis. And still they grow up. We see their smiles. We partner with them. They still want to learn. They are the most resilient people I have ever met. And anytime we have the opportunity to see them or, you know, they come to the store and they pick up their things, the smiles, the joy, they are just wonderful, wonderful, resilient young people. And and people often don't see that. They, They don't you know, I would challenge anybody that if you walk into a classroom in, in a public school, it'd be difficult in, in a school where treehouse educational advocates and educational specialists are active. So it'd be difficult to pick out who was a youth experiencing foster care because they're just like all of us. We all need to be seen and loved and cared for. And when that happens, the sky's the limit for children. That's so true. And I think sometimes people think foster kids are taken out of homes because they're bad when it's actually the reverse. They're actually being rescued, right? 
Yes, in many cases, the, the youth are removed from homes because they've identified that they're at risk, that it's not safe for them. And that's that's why it is, it's very traumatizing. And so our youth who are experiencing trauma, well, we have trained people who are trained in trauma-informed care. So yes, it is no fault of these youth that they are removed from the homes that, that they know. And that's why, again, they're so resilient and they, they smile, they laugh. They are committed to moving forward, and that's why, in, in a huge part, why our programs are successful, because we partner with them. We see in them that they have the same potential as youth who are not in foster care. Before we go, can we talk a little bit about trauma care and ACEs? We're using ACEs and ANSA to help measure the outcomes in our own success in serving foster youth. So, But I think yeah. it's really important that people know these kids have experienced trauma because they, I work with actually homeless people that are coming out of drug addiction. And so they'll get triggered by something and they'll behave so weird because of that. And then once we figure it out, everything's good. But so a kid might react to something. Nobody really knows what they're reacting to because they've had that trauma. And understanding that and having some grace with that seems to be um, something, a good quality for a foster parent? The ACEs test actually is about childhood trauma and how, what are the indicators of that. And often when, when youth appear to act out, what they're doing is they're exercising their coping mechanisms. Because when you're in a trauma situation, what serves you well to survive it and thrive does not necessarily serve the same way in a non-trauma situation. So We can see foster youth who move from a family, let's say, where there was some uh, level of domestic violence, and their protective skills, how they've learned to protect themselves, are interpreted differently in a classroom setting, for example. And that's where a treehouse educational specialist or educational advocate comes in to help the school and the child understand what the child truly needs. If you have any interest in foster kids or even education to reach out to Treehouse and help support these kids. Let's get their numbers up to 75% graduating. We currently, again, we serve statewide. And this year we'll serve just about 8,000 young people through all the programs we have. So we love getting more volunteers and getting more people in the community involved because it's going to take all of us to wrap around our young people. But I promise you that when we do it, the results are phenomenal. Sometimes all it takes is for that one caring adult to turn around and not discipline the young person, but to really just look at them and say, you know, hey, how are you doing? Just meet them where they are. And then everything ends up getting back on track. 